0: Well hello and welcome, this is Jamie Oichel from runningrestaurants.com and joining me to talk all about this crazy restaurant world is Roger Baldwin from Restaurant Rockstars. Roger, what's up buddy? Thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, Jamie, thanks for having me, I'm
0: super excited to be here to talk restaurants with you today. Roger, listen, I got a bunch of questions for you and I want to cover a lot of stuff today but for a theme, let's kind of think about for the people that are listening, how to run a more profitable restaurant while still having fun doing it. So. You, you know this, right? A lot of folks are scrambling in their restaurants to get in the black. Um, it's a tough battle. You've got to win it. So um, today, let's hopefully hit on a bunch of key ideas for operators to improve their numbers in both the short term and the long term. So, Roger, before we dig in, why don't you give folks a 60 second sort of background on your story in the biz? All right,
1: so I started my first restaurant 22 years ago. I had absolutely no restaurant experience, call me crazy, but I had a really powerful idea. And it was all based on a place I had been to in Switzerland, and I knew that 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 particular concept would work really well at this ski resort that I was living at in Maine. So I knew nothing about the business, but I did have business skills. I knew that two things were going to be the key to my success. One would be systems. And the second would be delivering better service than my competitors. And with those business systems in place and a better idea of what the service my customers were looking for, I literally rock and rolled from the get-go. I started with a small 80-seat place, ran it for two years, and then I built a 350-seat restaurant after that. And that's when things really took off. And then the systems continued to grow with my business. And even though I had this huge place, It's like I had really, really great systems in place where I had lots of free time to be a customer in my business, not work in my business. So if there's any key I want people to understand right now is it is possible to put systems in place. You work on your business now so you decide how you work in it later or if you work in it at all.
0: I mean, I always, love, I always love hearing your story, and, and we're going to get into some stuff, and it's going to be fun. I mean, for people listening, just just hold on tight, because we're going to cover a whole bunch of stuff to scribble down and write down and take and use for ideas. Uh, it's going to be really cool. And, and let, me, let me start right there with that systems thing, because I see this all the time, you know, people that are they're running by the seat of their pants, they got, I got a gut instinct about what's going to work, and they don't have system in pla- systems in place like you're talking about. They may be busy, right? They're, they're busy all the time. Oh, man, it's crazy and busy, but they're not making any money, and that's where a Iran- a lot of restaurants live. What do you say to that?
1: Oh, man, I see it all the time because it started when I was on the board of directors of the Maine Restaurant Association, and I served multiple terms, and we went into a lot of restaurants and helped struggling restaurants, you know, turn things around and succeed. So I've seen a lot of that face-to-face. And then later in my career, and even now, I do consulting, and I go into local restaurants where I live in Idaho, I consult virtually via the Internet. And most of these restaurants, it's like they don't have these systems in place. They're not doing the basic important things. Cost controls are so critical because it's so easy to lose money in restaurants, and I don't need to tell anybody in the business how difficult this business is or what the high failure rate is, and I see it all the time, but I do have very simple systems that work for me that in my my largest restaurant that I mentioned a minute ago, I mean, we were a seasonal place open only four months a year, and we only had 90 key days to make our money, and it was weather dependent. If it didn't snow, if it rained, the skiers weren't there, so I really had to maximize my sales, maximize my, my service, really have really tight cost controls to make money in this place. And I literally rang $1.2 million in a four-month season in just 90 days. So it's pretty spectacular. But even I'm, I'm even more proud of the net profit. I mean, they say you're doing well in this business if you can ring 10 to $0.12 cents profit per dollar of sales. And uh, that's a 10 to 12% profit margin. Mine was 31%. And I owe all of that to these systems. That's interesting. So
0: the seasonal part of it, I mean, you've got to hit the ground running and you've got to kill it. And when I think about the restaurant piece, I I kind of always think about the customer stuff first, the service stuff and the marketing stuff, the people. But at the end of the day, it's this operations piece that is like you're either going to make it or break it on the back end here. And you're talking inventory and prime cost. It's costing on a menu. Let's kind of go right there for a second. I mean, you have to have a concept and, and what you do with your menu is going to make or break you, right?
1: Well, yeah, I look at it that way. Look at your restaurant as having a foundation like any house, okay? And if there are any chinks in your armor, or cracks in your foundation, basically you know, that's a real cause for concern. So these systems literally are in the foundation of your restaurant and they all balance each other out. They're all equally important. You mentioned service and service was really the first system I started with because I wanted to, from the day I opened the doors the very first day to my very first restaurant, I wanted every customer to be treated as if they were the only customer in the place, even though the place was full. So the service component really started everything off, but then the cost control component, the marketing controls, the efficiencies, you know, all those things were equally important, and they're all simple systems that feed off each other, balance each other out, and really deliver a powerful dining experience for your customers. But the service training thing is important, because once you start training your staff You also need to nurture and develop your staff, and you need to recognize and reward your staff so that you can get rid of what I call the C players that are just there for the wrong reasons, that really don't care about your concept, they really don't care about delivering amazing experiences to your customers, and you need to develop your B team and turn them into the A players. Now, every restaurant has A players. They just get it. You know, they love having fun with the customer. They like making friends for your restaurant every single night. They deliver great service. They know how to sell. And these are best practices that can be modeled for your B team so that the B team kind of rise to the challenge and become A players. And then once you've got A or B team players, and I'm talking about front of house and back of house, then it's a series of recognition and rewards, you know, and, and recognizing them for their performance and their contributions. And then all of a sudden it becomes a culture of family and hospitality. And that is a powerful competitive advantage that every restaurant uses to literally dominate the market area. And that's what I did. So service is important. Staff training and recognition is important. And then the financial controls we can certainly get into, because that is a critical component of making money. You know, you mentioned earlier, all these restaurants that are kind of spinning their wheels, and they're working 60 hours a week, some of these owners and managers, and they're wondering why their bank account isn't growing, even though they're filling their seats. And there's so many reasons for that. And I'm happy to tell you some of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you covered a lot there. Two things I jotted down, and I I wanna go back on a lot of this stuff, but but two things I jotted down, that idea of the only customer in place, I love that, and and I wanna wanna get back to that. And and then, but this C player thing is fascinating, right? God, we were in a restaurant last night, and and we had a C player server, if not a D player. I mean, this guy could could give a shit that we were there. It was unbelievable. We, he walked right from the table every time, and we we're like, "What the hell just happened?" And um, so he, he did not belong in that job. And 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 I don't know what what the management is going to do at that place to move him uh, along. And hopefully, he does oh not gosh, stay there for yeah. years and years. And so that's important. You okay? You, hey, you think Jimmy's going to work out? But he doesn't work out. And so you need to you need to have the strength as a manager to move on. And you've gone through that. You talk about those A and B people. They 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 gotta get it or they gotta move towards getting it. But so stick there with me for a little bit. I mean tell me a story about someone you've
1: moved along the chain. All right, well it really started before I opened the doors for the very first time. And something happened to me that scared the pants off me, but it sent a very powerful lesson that kind of shaped the service training idea. So I went to this restaurant, you know, and they served wood-fired pizza, and it was exactly the kind of concept that I was opening. And it was a state away. I think it was in New Hampshire, but there was a sign at the end of the road that said wood-fired pizza now serving. And so I thought, hey, that's exactly the kind of place I'm going to open. i got to try it out. I might learn something because I always thought and knew that I was going to learn from not only other restaurants but my competitors once I was in the business. So I walked in and the hostess gave me a menu and they sat me at a table or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this list of pizzas and there were probably 12 or 15, you know, the specialty pizzas with the funky names and they all have different toppings. And they all sounded pretty good. So when my server finally got around to getting to me, I I asked her, I'm like, so, you know, they all sound pretty good. Which one do you suggest? And she looked me in the eye, and in all honesty, she says, I can't recommend the pizzas. I don't eat them. They're too expensive. Oh, my God. If that didn't knock me right off my chair. And I suddenly realized, oh, my God, one, she wasn't trained. And two, her manager or owner probably has no idea the type of experiences that she's delivering to guests and how she is sabotaging that business. So I quickly realized that if I didn't train my staff to serve and sell, and if I didn't know exactly how they delivered every experience, that they could sabotage my business. And I never forgot that. And that literally sort of opened the doors to this server training program I created later called Pale Stars. So yeah, I mean, when you hire in the beginning, some restaurants really scramble to find staff. If, if you're in a busy market area, you know, and, and there's lots of restaurants around, sometimes it's really hard to find staff. And we all get C players, if not D players from time to time. But it really comes down to some of the key questions you ask in an interview. And let me back up a second. Instead of, well, no, you will ask very, very telling questions that get a sense for what this person's motivations are. But more importantly... So many restaurants hire for prior experience. You look through the want ads in any major paper, and restaurants are looking for prior experience, experienced server, experienced this and that, experienced cook. I get it, but it's like I always hired for personality, attitude, and desire to serve the public. You can train the skill. You can't train the mindset of serving the public and the desire to make friends for your restaurant because these people are brand ambassadors for your business. So that, it all goes back to, you know, you get a C player, you try to turn them around, you sit them down, you say, okay, these are, the, these are the objectives, this is what we're looking for, these are the key results that are going to make you successful in this position, we're going to give you the tools and the training to do it, but if you don't respond, then you clearly don't fit. Because it's so important, the chemistry of staff in a restaurant. One, it's about communication. Two, it's about teamwork. Three, it's about respect. And four, it's about fun. And all four of those things have to work together amongst different personality types. And when someone just doesn't fit, it's like a disease, man. It brings the team down. So you've got to get rid of your C-team players. And I had plenty of those stories in the beginning until I decided, to change my attitude to hiring for personality attitude and desire. And then one of the things that was really successful for me was taking my A team that knew our culture and knew who and what would fit and asking them for their re- recommendations. You know who do you know that has your attitude that would really that you think would fit in well here and we were so successful by hiring you know, recommendations from our A-team, and, they, and then pretty soon we had a family of only A-team players, and it didn't take long to do that, and boy, if that wasn't a powerful brand advantage, and literally we're kicking ass over all the other restaurants because the service was exemplary, people were making more money, having more fun, the customers were having more fun and spending more money, and that was like lightning in a bottle, man. Every restaurant should do that approach.
0: Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I jotted down personality, desire, and attitude, and and I love it because yeah, the the actual technical stuff about typing in a POS and saying hi and you can you can train all that stuff, but if you don't have the attitude, man, you're 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 not going to work. Exactly. So, let. Uh, yep. Definitely have A players, and I love that. It's eight players; they hang out with other A players, they, and, and so you ask them oh, yeah. for recommendations. And oh yeah, yeah, sure. so She's just like me. She's my best. She's my best buddy from college. She would. She would kick butt here. I didn't think about that, and so I love that too. Um, but since we're talking about staff here, let's let's and 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 you gave the horrible example of of the oh my god, uh, I never server who didn't that. Who couldn't uh, recommend a pizza or wouldn't eat it, and and we've talked about product knowledge as a tool. And, and obviously, it is an important tool in, you know, in upselling and making recommendations and, and, and so forth. Talk about that product knowledge piece and how it you know, can improve
1: the customer experience but also increase sales. Yeah, and that's sort of innate in the right people. When you've got an A-team, they know. You don't even need to tell them that they need to know their menus inside now because they don't want to be caught you know, being asked a question where they're going to have to give an I-don't-know answer. It's embarrassing. So it almost goes without saying that product knowledge is super important. You know your menu's inside and out. One reason you don't know, you can't sell it, right? So and that's what the whole game is because I've always thought of a dining experience in a restaurant is what I call the magical journey okay people are going out to dinner for a variety of reasons but one they don't you know feel like cooking or they're out of time or it's a special occasion but they want to be entertained they want more than just food and drink and it's up to our restaurants to deliver more than just food and drink and it really comes down to the personality and the approach of the staff and product knowledge is job one so once they know their menus inside and out they can make recommendations that they know that the customers are going to enjoy. I think of this all the time. Every single restaurant in America, I don't care who you are, where you are, you get new customers in the door all the time that have never been there before for a variety of reasons. Maybe they drove by and your place looked good. Maybe somebody told them to try it. Maybe they saw an ad or saw you know went to a website or got a Yelp review. Whatever reason, they're a new customer. They don't know the first thing about what makes your place cool, and it's up to your staff to ask them, hey, is this your first time? Let me tell you all about it. And that's when it goes into restaurant knowledge and the concept of book. Every restaurant worth its salt needs a whole list of what I call cooks. And those are like unique nuggets of information that set your restaurant apart from the competition. It might be a unique way of doing um, doing something. It might be a unique menu item. It might be, you know, just some some jazzy, cool thing that they can't get anywhere else. Whatever it is, every restaurant has hooks, but very few restaurants promote them. And that's what makes a dining experience an event, brings it to life for the customer, and that's what makes it fun. So literally, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I want to. Talk, I
0: definitely want to talk about hooks because you do a great job or did a great job in that restaurant with, with the, that sort of mentality uh, to give that experience. But before we leave the servers, something that I know you're a big believer in, and, and I, 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 I fathom to know how restaurants can operate without doing this very well is the is the pre shift, you know, kind of knowledge base, you know, that, that let me let me drop some knowledge on you for five, ten minutes, however you lay it out. But you you had a structured program for that.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's called pre shifts to profits. It's part of my sales stars training system. But essentially I suggest strongly that every restaurant have a pre shift every single day with the staff that's on the floor. And I'm not talking about a half an hour. It could be as little as three to five minutes. But with this Pre-Shifts to Profits program, there is literally a series of 25 proven training exercises, concepts, ideas, all that sort of thing that can be the theme for the night. And it's competitive. After a while, it becomes a healthy competition and there's lots of games and incentives that I put in place with my staff to make it more fun for them to make these suggestions and recommendations. So a pre-shift goes far beyond just having them taste tonight's specials. You know, it's talking about service issues. You know, I used to sit around for five minutes and just go around the table and ask for a couple examples of dining experiences like you just related to me. You went out to dinner last night. You had a D player. Okay, so everybody goes out to eat. Tell us about your great experiences and what made them so. Tell us about the bad experiences and what made them so. That makes us a better restaurant. So it can be unlimited ideas here about a pre-shift, but it should happen every day for a couple of minutes. Set a theme for the night and then turn your staff loopy loose and watch them shine yeah I, I love that idea of talking about good and bad
0: experiences and it's because everybody has them. they get the good stories the bad stories right and and something you said earlier learning from the competition if, if you're not doing that as an operator you know going to the other place down the road oh they're my competition I can't go in there well I mean you, you got you got to know what they're doing right what they're doing wrong if you're gonna if you're gonna have a chance to fight fairly and squarely in your marketplace but let's let's go let's go to hooks cuz I you were just there And I love that stuff. I mean, what's the unique stuff about your restaurant? How do you position yourself? You know, then you get into branding. It's marketing. It's
1: all that stuff rolled into one. But
0: what I love your term, hooks.
1: Well, the hooks are really a branding tool, okay, again, that set your restaurant apart. Every restaurant has them, but not necessarily aware of what they are, nor do they promote them. So you need to train your staff so that they can talk to your customers about them and bring them to life. I can give you a couple of examples. Again, I was at a ski resort. And we came up with all these interesting hooks just to make the experience more fun for our customers. We actually had a snowmaking machine that would make snow on the dance floor whenever the bands played. And if that wasn't fun, dancing in the middle of a snowstorm, that was a hook. That's the kind of stuff where people are going to walk out the door saying, wow, that was the party. That was the place to be. Nobody does that kind of stuff. That was just one idea. I went to this place in Killington, Vermont, that I used to ski at a lot. And this was a great hook that I didn't duplicate in my place, but I always thought this was a great hook. If you sat at the bar, there was a conveyor belt behind the bar that went in front of the beer caps. And they had a lot of beer caps. They probably had 20 on the wall. And this conveyor belt had a whole bunch of pint glasses on it, you know, and it would go across and you'd watch these pint glasses and when they got to the end of the bar they went out this hole in the wall and it actually went outside and went around the back of the building and then came in a hole on the other side of the bar and when those pint glasses came in they were frosty, cold and chilled and you'd watch your bartender take a frosty cold pint off the conveyor belt and pour it and put it in front of you and it was like 10 below zero outside and if you didn't have the perfect pint of beer in front of you that was a cool hook so there's a zillion ideas, you know, it's about a unique way of doing business. We had these ceramic chicken pitchers that we got from Italy and literally you'd pour, the bartenders put wine in them and they would hold a half a liter of wine or a full liter, these big chicken pitchers. And when you poured the wine at the table, the wine would come out of the chicken's beak. And that was tons of fun. We had these drinks called glacier bowls and it looked like a giant goldfish bowl with a stem on it and they were 60 ounce goblets and we'd fill them with ice and it was a series of rums and fruit juices and then we would put either blue curacao or grenadine in them so that it would funky it would it would you know flavor the drinks and it would also color them and then we put one of those glow sticks in them that you snap and crackle and it would literally make the the drink just glow fluorescent through the restaurant and when a server carried those through the place People would just stop and look and say, wow, what's that? I got to try one because it looked like, whoa, we got, you know, you just want to have one. But probably one of the coolest things was every restaurant has birthdays and special occasions. We found these amazing birthday candles. It looked more like a Roman candle because it was kind of fat and it was probably five inches long and they were perfectly safe and they were perfectly legal and you can buy these online. But when you light the end of them, it shoots a shower of sparks three feet off the top of the cake. You know, there's a little golf tee that it fits in, and you put that in the dessert, you light it, and you carry it to the table. And if every single table in that restaurant didn't watch this candle go through the restaurant, get put in front of the birthday person, everybody sings, and the candle continues to burn for like 30 seconds off the top of the table, you can see it from anywhere, and then the whole restaurant erupts into applause. It's like it was crazy because the restaurant business is show business, and it's all about hooks that build your brand.
0: Man, I, I I love that. So I I wrote down like three or four things, but I love saw so the the pint of beer thing. I love that that they did that. Um, the birthday the birthday thing. Everyone loves to go out and celebrate, and then when you're making a spectacle of it, um, I love that aspect of it. So now now you know I'm with I'm with Tim and Tony, and they're like, oh, man, we got to come back here for our birthday, right? And then so that feeds off itself. Um, uh, the the glow stick thing. Um, super, super cool. Same thing. You're carrying it through the restaurant, and now the wife's going, "Oh, I gotta get one of those." And so, you know, that stuff is, that stuff is really, is really, really cool. So. Uh, I mean, right there, three, four, five ideas. And so you can be creative as, as an operator, b- bump ideas off your staff. They're going to be like, oh, I saw this. I saw that. I have this idea. I've always wanted to do this. And you're going to have these neat ideas in your restaurant to do. You got me thinking, uh, since you're at the bar and you're talking about neat ideas, I know you had a lot of success with this Affinity program, uh, I think what you call the Mug Club or something like that. Yes. Those ideas yes. are great. Tell, t- t- tell about yes. that idea.
1: Well, you know, it's it's a pro if you've got a family casual restaurant or if you've got a a busy bar or a big bar that's part of your restaurant. I mean, mug clubs are popular today. You see them in every city. But again, the mug club can become a hook of its own. And our mug club became so powerful because it had so much value added attached to it that everyone wanted to be belong to this club because it was the cool thing to do and you'd walk into my place and there'd be a sea of mugs in the crowd and you knew that every one of those persons had an affinity to my restaurant they believed in it strongly because it was more fun and it was a huge profit center for me because you can literally sell these memberships for you know 40 50 100 bucks I mean my place was only open seasonally so our memberships were you know 40 or 50 dollars and I'll tell you what the value that someone got for that, but if you've got a year round place in a busy, fun place, you can charge eighty, a hundred bucks. And anyway, we had eight hundred and fifty mug club members that paid us fifty dollars up front before the season even started, just for the privilege of belonging to this club and for the The camaraderie of the staff and the, and the customers and all of their friends were mug club members and it just became the thing to do. So suddenly, you know, there's instant cash flow. We're talking 30 or $40,000 of free and clear cash flow just for giving them a mug that they can personalize. They can put their stickers on it, their name on it. The number is super important. Everybody wants the super low number. So they kind of jockey for position to get like number one. Anything under 20 is like super desirable, but let's talk value added. So for out they got discounted beer prices so you might charge you know five dollars or 550 for a pint which is 16 ounces of beer these ceramic mugs are 20 ounces of beer they get you know more ounces of beer in every mug but yet they're paying less than the pint price that the or, the average customer you know pays when they come in there's nothing illegal about this because everybody has the option of joining the club and it pays for itself in a couple of beers you know it's unbelievable we also gave them a t-shirt um, you know, that was logo t-shirt. We gave them now, here's where the affinity part came in. We gave them something called a kickback card, which is like a credit card. It's got a mag stripe on the back. It's got our logo and our brand on the front. But it does two things. It allowed them to get into every one of our concerts, and we did lots of live rock bands on weekends where everyone had to pay. You know, the average customer had to pay a ten or a fifteen or a twenty dollar cover, depending on the band that was playing, or if it was New Year's Eve, whatever. All these mug club members got in for free to every show, so there's value in and of itself, right? That pays for itself right there. And then the the MagStripe allowed us to track their spending habits really simply with our POS system. And we rewarded our high spenders two ways. You can program these affinity cards to randomly award prizes. They can be food. They can be merchandise. They can be... Anything, and we'll get into where you can get free merchandise from your suppliers. That's a whole another system unto itself. But anyway, every fifth or sixth swipe, whenever someone presents their magstripe card, either dining at a table or at the bar, your bartender swipes it through the POS, and then randomly, ding 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 ding, you won a prize. You just won a T-shirt, and again, that builds affinity. And then the highest spender every season got a custom bar stool, and these things were so cool. It was a heavy oak, you know. on it that we had an artist take a wood-burning pen and and burn in their mug club number, their nickname or their name on the top of the stool. And that was their personal bar stool. And we kept these things, you know, in a closet. And whenever that customer came in the door, a staff member would go get their bar stool and carry it to the customer. And they sat on their personal bar stool. So all this stuff is value added for little money. But look at the cash flow it brought in. But the most important thing is these people were in my place three and four nights a week, drinking beer, having fun. And they became brand ambassadors for my place, spreading the gospel of how cool the place was and how fun it was. Any restaurant can take these ideas and implement them and, you know, earn another revenue stream and give guests great experiences so that they market your restaurant for you. Super powerful stuff. Yeah, I I love what I
0: love about it is it's an affinity and loyalty program, but you built a profit center into it. And kind of not, not not sneaky is not the right word, but 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 built into the system and it kind of p- pays pays for itself. They get benefits, you get ben- benefits. I the, the best scenario, the best uh, saying would be it's win win. It's it's definitely a strong yeah, win win. Sure. And the barstool thing, off you know that's off the chart. I mean, who's they're gonna they're gonna start fighting for that? I don't know how you tracked it. But they were
1: if you oh kept my gosh. A,
0: if you kept a running tally in December, they're coming in. You know, oh, man, I gotta get it. I gotta let me let me buy you a shot. Yep, Jimmy and that's you know what and, and that's whatnot. What but, yep. And, and look at and how much fun they so, doing it. But, but let, let, let's let's kind of go there, and maybe may, it might not have been with your restaurant or other other examples you've seen in the, in in. in uh, in the, in the more recent times, as technology has changed, this tracking of your customers is a huge benefit. Knowing who they are, getting their data, getting their email, getting their mobile number these days, and then having that data in the system. And I love what you're talking about. You know, rewarding them for five swipes, they're getting a bonus, unexpected, uh, unplanned, as well as as well as you know as well as planned benefits. But what have you seen or what – Or what, I know you were at NRA recently. I mean, what is going on the technology side? What can restaurants do with that loyalty piece to really set themselves apart?
1: What other tips do you got there? Yeah, I mean, there's so much technology that, that just blows me away. I've been out of the business now after I sold my restaurants two years. And I was an old-school guy because this is an old-school business. So I used, you know, really, really – Guerrilla marketing tactics and all this stuff that I'm talking about really wasn't high technology. You know, every restaurant worth its salt has a POS system, that's no big deal. But some of the stuff I've seen, these affinity programs, these tracking, I mean, there's software out there that literally tracks your customers' habits. Tells you who the new customers are versus the repeat customers. Monitors your online reviews. It's just nuts. And all of this is contained in the MagStripe on their credit card. So every time you swipe your customer's credit card, it's capturing data. I mean, that's some of the coolest stuff out there. There is software that I saw that literally controls your front and back of house at the press of a button, and you can manage multiple locations and not be bogged down by invoices and inventory and all of those, you know, really Sort of labor-intensive systems and again at the press of a button so I've got systems for that too But you can see this stuff. I mean, technology is definitely moving forward. Social media is huge. There's a lot of restaurants that haven't tapped into the power of social media and building your brand on those platforms like having a Facebook group and growing your likes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Every time, you know, you're you're taking pictures of your guests having fun in your restaurant and your staff delivering amazing experiences, you post that on the Internet. You have concepts contests and incentives and all kinds of fun trivia. I used to do all that stuff on social media, and that built the brand. I mean, it's it's just moving forward at light speed, and if you don't move forward with it, your competition's gonna run right over you. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: I, I think you see a lot of new players using some of these tools and what's fascinating about I'll just you know say cloud-based technology which is these services that are kind of you don't need a lot of infrastructure you need a tablet you need you need your phone in some cases you don't need to get a $20,000 POS system which is a big upfront cost right uh, you, you know if you're trying oh, to pitch that that's hard but now some of these services can come in and say hey for 50 bucks a month you cancel you cancel whenever you want you can get bop 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 benefits and like and, and you're like whoa 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 look what I can do so so that sort of stuff is definitely out there and And you also hit on the social and mobile piece, and um, I just want to stay there for a second because, yeah, there's restaurants that aren't using those tools, and it's frustrating because it changes all the time. You know, what's working, what's not working, what's the new site of the day? You know, this week it's Pokemon Go. I mean, there's restaurants already capitalizing on that trend that's happening. So this stuff happens fast and it can be frustrating to do facebook and twitter and instagram and snapchat and, and five other ones but um really well, let's if, talk if about I can... building a database james because
1: well yeah i want to really, i want to really rant important. there
0: yeah i mean i want to rant there for a second because as a restaurant operator you need to control your marketing you need to be able to say on a monday man this week i gotta i gotta i gotta hit this number how am i going to do it well if you don't have your own customer list what are your choices? When you're gonna call up the newspaper? Okay, that may take two or three weeks, and who knows if it's gonna work. You're gonna call up the magazine. That's two month lead time. Um, you're gonna call up Groupon and get and get you know get murdered on that on, on that on that opportunity. So you need to have your own in house list that is an email list that is a text list that is your Facebook list and your Twitter followers. Uh-huh. And amongst all those properties, right? Hopefully, yeah. as a restaurant, depending on your size and market, you've got. 2,000 or 5,000 or, or an audience of 50 or 100,000 people that are following you in those different places. Now, it's Tuesday and you want to run a promo, boom, you can send out an email in, in 30 minutes. Boom, you can send out a text message in about five seconds um, to, you know, to promo a happy hour. You can, you, can go to, you can go to your social channel. So You need to be in control of that database as an operator and, and, and that is shifting, but if you're not in control... It's bad news to just sit
1: sit at the door and hope people are are going to show up. So, that's so why many restaurants do that. They wait for people to come in the door. But once you okay, so this this takes us down the road of internal marketing. If so many restaurants waste thousands of dollars on traditional advertising—radio, print, TV, direct mail—and there's no real powerful way to track that to know what's working and what's not, you're dumping buckets of money out the door when you've got an you got four walls inside your restaurant, you got a staff, and then you've got customers. And between those three things, that is your most cost-effective and powerful form of marketing. I call it internal marketing, and every restaurant needs to tap into that. Going back to the database thing, there were two ways that we captured customers' email addresses. The first one was comment cards because, one, we're constantly asking our customers for their feedback on what they like, what we're doing well, anything they'd improve. Tell us anything, you know, and we'll act on it. And I personally responded to a lot of those. And, There's a key in and of itself. I was the owner. I was kind of the personality of the place. And I made it a point to put a personal spin and a personal touch to my customers, to touch them in a personal way. And I had a newsletter, an email newsletter that I sent out every two weeks that was really fun and interactive. Once I had a database of email addresses, you know, I would put videos embedded in these newsletters showing them the cool band that just played last weekend. You know, uh, uh, videos of the new food item that we just launched this week. I had trivia contests. They were really, really interactive video newsletters that were sent via email blast and I had such a huge response rate. One, because it was personal, two, because it was entertaining and three, because it was informative and then four, there was a contest at the end where I awarded prizes to the first five people that responded and I'd give them t-shirts and I'd give them free pizzas and all this kind of stuff. And if that didn't fill the brand, that was pretty huge too. So the first way I captured the database was through comment cards, asking them for their opinions and then asking for their email so I could keep them informed about all this cool stuff happening. And then the second way was through that mug club. Every, every time somebody signed up for a new mug club membership, I'd ask for their email address and then I suddenly had a database of thousands of people that I would send these newsletters to and the response was huge and that built my brand you know it was very interactive and fun stuff you got to do
0: yeah rod you said you said a couple things and and what i want to highlight here is the personal touch aspect of it, because I know my audience, uh, and, and when we talk, and we, we're, we have an independent mindset. I'm uh, not not writing about the chains and 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 super, and super guys that's running 500 locations. Don't care what they do. They do what they do. But we we're talking about the independence, how to make your special uh, space special and different and unique and have people come for great local dining experiences that I think I believe is where the sweet spot of restaurants should be not in not in these you know corporate chain environments and and so that's the totally. mindset that we have and, and you're and you're bringing to it and yeah and one of those special things is that personal aspect of it. you I mean it's great you're, ha- you're having fun with your newsletter it's not the one I get from corporate that's look at what the the hamburger of the week <laughs> who, who freaking cares so uh, yeah, that's instead, let me show, me the, show me the show me the, yeah. show me the video so how personality like do that stuff mm-hmm. that is where you can set yourself apart and it's such it's such a totally. big difference the contest idea is a neat idea even with common cards these days they now now you can do that old school obviously fine collect them in, in, in the in the check but you can also do that on the mobile phone now and and I, I know there's apps out there that'll that'll ping yeah. the manager while That's the person's right. still sitting in there and, and they're giving a, let's say they're given mm-hmm. a, a six rating out of ten and it pings the manager and he comes over and you want to get them before they leave pissed off. So if you can, you know, re-energize that experience while they're in store, that's that's awesome. And, you know, otherwise they go, they go to Yelp, they go to TripAdvisor, they go to a few other sites, and they're and they're bashing you, and then you got to deal with that. So there's some tools out there to deal with. So I love I love that you integrated those few things into it, and that internal marketing piece is is huge right and then and then your staff how did your staff kind of uh, help help your business i mean they were probably promoting
1: you they were sh- sharing yeah. work. what else what else did your staff do? all right well that that brings up a great point because it all comes down to the word noticing, okay, because you've got a staff, maybe you got five people, maybe you got 20 people, maybe you got 50 people that work in your restaurant, and every one of those has a set of eyes and ears, and when they walk through the front door as if they were a customer, you train them to notice, to see what the guest sees before they see it, and empower them to fix it before the guest sees it. And that was a super powerful thing. So it all begins with putting your best spin on the curve appeal of your restaurant. I walk into so many restaurants where the windows are dirty or the posters are old or the lights are burned out or there's beer cans in the parking lot. I mean, these are negative impressions that can be stopped right at the door by your staff before the doors is open. So it begins there. So then, okay, creating a fun environment based on teamwork and respect and fun where everybody's making lots of money and that chemistry is there. It's just got to trickle down to the fun the customer is going to have, you know. So, yeah, training and building that culture is really what builds your brand also so that when that customer walks in the door, one, they're blown away by your staff because they're personable, they're friendly, they're knowledgeable, and they're taking you on that magical journey I talked about. Two, they're blown away by your concept and your ambiance because it's loaded with these hooks that just make it more fun than the guy down the street, And three, there's so much value added, you know, and you can charge for that. You can make a good profit by giving value added through, you know, cash cows and all these ideas. I mentioned that Glacier Bowl drink idea. We used to charge, I think it was $19 for one of those things, and it was almost pure profit, but it was so much fun and they were so popular, everybody had to have them. You know, and so there was value added to that. We can get into cash cows and menu design and costing out your menu for maximum profit. I mean, all these things deliver value to the customer and appeal with high profitability. And that's how restaurant owners can build their bank account. You know, Roger, I, th- I think, I think I do want to come back to cash cows
0: the next thing, but let me share two things. If you talked about, ca- price and then price value and you don't if you're competing on price if that's your if that's your main thing hey we got the cheapest price in town come to our restaurant no 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 that's not where that's not the space that you want to be you want to have uh, nice martins, like like you talked about early on, and the only way to do that is by having all these other pieces and the other thing i i I wanted to come back to use the, the word noticers I love that so yeah there's there's fifty people on your staff if they take an ownership mentality or at least a an engaged employee attitude of noticing what the heck is going on in the business and then you know fixing the bulb and fixing the floor and fixing that stuff. Then you have a business that, that can hum, but so that's absolutely, absolutely essential and and you need to build that as part of your culture and your staff. But, but let's go to Cash Cows because I think everybody kind of would like to make some more money, uh, on the profitable. And you found some neat ways to do that. Uh, I, I, I can remember a couple stories in my head, but, but run me through how you thought of, about Cash Cows in the biz.
1: Well, when it, when it very, when it started, and, and this, this conversation will take a little bit of a spin, so I, I really don't want to go on a tangent, but it's powerful information for, for your audience, Jim. So a cash cow, if I could just, um, you know, define what that means. A cash cow is a drink item or a food item that costs you very little to put on the plate, but it has a high perceived Value and even what I would call wow factor when the customer receives it so it costs you very little to put out it's maximizing your profit every time you sell it and it in and of itself becomes a hook that is a draw for your restaurant okay so that is a cash cow so in the beginning you know I wanted to have as many cash cows as possible And then after that, I got even smarter and I decided, hey, if every one of my menu items contributed a similar or equal profit, then I wouldn't care what my customers purchased as long as my staff were selling it. And that is a powerful concept unto itself. I can tell the listeners how, in fact, to achieve that. But my biggest cash cow was an item called garlic knots. And I didn't invent garlic knots. I mean, garlic knots are sold in lots of different pizza restaurants, a garlic knot is basically a byproduct of the pizza dough so we made our own dough fresh every single day and uniquely we, we did um, as they do in, in Naples Italy we have one size pizza only they were 12-inch pizzas and, and we sold a lot of them because you know a, a one-size pizza doesn't feed a family so you need to order a bunch of them as opposed to a large So that was profitable but when we rolled out a dough to fit that 12-inch pan Literally, the doughs were always like 13 inches in circumference, so we'd take a pizza cutter, and you'd cut that trimming around the edge of the 12-inch pan, and then when you put it in the oven, it was going to expand over the pan anyway. So now we had already costed out the cost of every single dough ball that went into each pizza, so now I've got a piece of dough now that is free that I've already paid for when someone buys that pizza that we simply tied into knots. And then we took a little olive oil and we brushed olive oil on there. We sprinkled Parmesan cheese on it and then we baked them in the brick oven. And we gave every customer eight of those in a really cool metal basket, you know, that had flair unto itself with a little ramekin of marinara sauce that was also homemade. So we figure we probably had less than, I don't know, 75 cents cost. In this order of garlic knots, it went out to the customer. We charged ten bucks for them. It became the most popular advertise. You know, it became the most popular appetizer in the place. We sold zillions of them. But here's the next hook: we could then afford to give these things away to bring in new business to the restaurant. So I printed up these business card coupons that had a photograph of the garlic knot on the front, and then we used these really cool descriptive words. You know, the Barnum and Bailey School of Advertising: colossal, stupendous. fantastic garlic knots, absolutely free $10 value $10 value and it was a really appealing orange you know coupon that was a heavy business card stock I printed thousands of these coupons and I went around to businesses in my local area that were non-competing businesses maybe they were ski shops maybe they were health food stores the movie theater the car wash whatever and I said if you pass these things out to your customers I will give you 10% trade back at my restaurant for the check at you know, for every single check that comes back to me, as long as you print an identification on the back of your coupon so I can track where they're coming from. And if that didn't become the hugest, biggest, you know, driver, I had businesses outside of my restaurant that in a four month season probably sent me fifteen thousand dollars worth of new business. And here's the power. I tracked the check averages of every one of those coupons that came back and I had a $75 average check average in new Ooh. business that came in with that coupon for 75 cents cost plus the printing cost of the coupons for these garlic knots. That's how you make money in the restaurant business. That's how you build a brand. That's how you get new business in the door. That's how you, you know, you work with your local community to cross promote each other's business. Super powerful idea there. I know man,
0: every time, every time I, I hear uh, that, that, that story, I, I go, I go, God, I go, damn, I mean like that is, it, it's like marketing 101, it's like business 101, put it all together, but the way you packaged it is, it, it's just fantastic and if I'm an operator and I just listen to that, I gotta be going like, why the hell am I not doing that and how can I do that for my business and, and, if I was an independent guy, an operator, I'm probably in. A, I mean, it could be in a strip mall or a location. And yeah, there's adjacent businesses that are non-competitive. They're looking to boost. You know, whether it's the postcard that everybody puts in the front, or a flyer, or a promo, they're looking to do that. And then don't just say, hey, can can you do this for me for for you know for no, for nothing? Just put it there. No, you tied it into, hey, you know, put a little sticker on the back. I'm going to give you 10% in trade. So now this this guy's bringing in 15k business, and I, I just kind of do quick math. So so now he's got fifteen fifteen hundred dollars in trade that he can use for a staff party, um, Exactly, he can come in himself, he can dine, he can have a uh-huh. family. I mean, awesome. I mean, it pulls all the stuff together. And, and, and we, we said this five minutes ago, we're talking about independent, local-run restaurants that are part of a community. That is the people we want to talk to and help and have them kick butt and survive. And these are the kind of tools and, and systems and ideas that, that can do that. So um, I, I, really, I really love that piece. And to, while we're while you know while we're talking about local community, you've shared a family idea that you used to do, and I'm blanking on it. Something about either putting stuff on the walls or coloring or, or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. there's a lot of places that are family centric. Like
1: what what can right. people do with family that's a little bit different? we had a coloring contest, and not that that's very unique or special, but what was really a driver was it brought those families back in because we told every kid to put their e- their family's email address on the back and that they might win a prize. And literally every kid was a winner. So every single week, every kid um, would get an email saying, hey, you won you won the coloring contest and you got a five dollars gift certificate to come back to our restaurant." And that was just a smart way of getting those families. The kid gets all excited, says, hey, I won the coloring contest. I can go see my – and we posted all the kid's artwork all over the, you know, the entry of the restaurant. And literally every single week, the kid could come in and see his artwork displayed and get a $5 coupon that would – you know, be taken off the guest check in gift certificate form. So that's just one simple idea that gets people back again. I tried to think of all these different ideas that once I had a customer in the restaurant, I wanted them to become a regular and come back again and again. That was one idea. Another really fun thing was lottery tickets are so huge. Every, you know, so many people play the lottery because of the hysteria of winning them, you know, the mega millions, but there's something sort of, fun about taking a quarter out of your pocket and just scratching off those little circles to see if you won anything. So we printed up our own custom-branded lottery tickets, and we had the little scratch-off circles or triangles on the front. There were five of them, and under every single one, it would either say, try again, try again, but there was a winner on every single ticket, and the winner was a combination of cash cows. So, you know, garlic nuts might be one. We had a very, um, very powerful bread pudding that everybody loved that cost virtually nothing to put out there. We had root beer, real draft root beer for the kids. Whatever it was, every ticket was a winner. But you put these in the check presenters when the customer is paying their bill, and then you say, hey, you know, scratch this, you might win something, and then suddenly the customer wins an order of garlic knots, or maybe they win a t-shirt or something. It's something that's going to get them in the door for the next Visit. And I can't emphasize enough how powerful it is to keep getting that repeat business back again, creating some fun, exciting promotion that gets people back in your door
0: yeah well, I mean, you just said what I wanted to rehit it's that, it's that next visit, it's that loyal it's that return visit. that is where you're going to make money It's hard to get new people and they've they got to be an it important is. piece of your business you've got to constantly find new people, but you have to bring people back in. They have choices like i, I could go I, I could go to lunch and dinner in about fifty places within five miles. so how am I going to choose you over the next guy? How can you get one more visit from me this month than from someone else and you've, so you've got to fight for those those dining opportunities and and absolutely you got to use tools to do that let's go a little bit operation side because you talked about product mix a little while ago um, yeah product uh, mix know, is super important it, yeah I mean the, the product mix looking at the profitability per item uh, you don't want to have something we, we talked about cash flows the other thing is a dog something that's not making any money on so how do you think about a menu or how do you talk to your clients and when you're consulting and coaching and, and how do you talk about creating the right menu that has a good mix of products that's profitable that's sexy and all that stuff
1: yeah, I've worked at lots of restaurants, and it, it's you know it's it's really amazing to me that a lot of restaurants that I've worked with put a menu together for variety and appeal to the customer with absolutely no thought to profitability. And when I ask them, okay, what's your most profitable item, appetizer, entree, whatever, they can't tell me. And then I say, well, what's your most popular item? And they have a basic idea just because they see them coming out of the kitchen, but they've yet to ever run a product mix report, so they really don't know. So a really telling exercise is literally to print a product mix report for a period of time. Every point of sale system will print this. And I don't need to you know, clarify, but what a P-Mix really does is it shows every single item that your restaurant sells, whether it be a food item, a drink item an appetizer, a dessert, whatever it is, and it shows the volume of sale and the price you charge for every one of those items over a period of time. So you enter a date range, maybe the last for the last month or the last quarter, whatever it is, and then you print this thing out and then you make a comparison and you can suddenly see, oh I sold, you know, five thousand garlic nuts at ten dollars, or I sold two hundred, you know, chicken wings at four dollars. And I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? Because once you figure out Once you cost out all those items, and so many restaurants haven't even costed out those items, and that's why they have busy restaurants that aren't making any money. So one, they can't tell me what their profit is per item. Two, they can't tell me which are the highest profit items. Three, they can't tell me which are the most popular sellers. In 15 minutes, it's like we print this report, and I suddenly show them, look, your least profitable item is your biggest seller. No wonder you're not making any money. It's like you got a dog on your hands. you got to get rid of those dogs. You know, you gotta get this perfect product mix sweet spot that has appeal and variety to the customer, but everything is kicking in serious profit. I can't emphasize that enough. That is one of the most important systems. I've got, I've got systems for all of those things and it's, it's ground floor super, super important to have a successful restaurant. You can't be successful if you don't know those things.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, where, you, where you started there, and I think is an issue for for, for potential operators. And and if, if they're if they're not doing this, it's a, it's a big oversight. Of like you said, selling the most of the most unprofitable item, and and yeah, big surprise, you know, that you're not making money. And the other the other thing that I'm sure the tip that layers right on top of this, um, when looking at your product makes of course, if everything's contributing great margin, it, like you said earlier, you don't care what they're selling because they're yes. selling.
1: No, you um, don't. But a, right.
0: But another strategy is, yeah, probably ideally in a restaurant it's going to happen that not everything is contributing the same. And so now you can look at your menu, the actual physical menu and the design of that um, as Mm -hmm. your big marketing tool. I mean, I know you're going to argue that that's your most important marketing tool is is your menu itself. Any tips that you use to use your menu as a as a yeah, – I know there's a right corner of this, this font. Yes, and, yes. It, tips are proven scientifically. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, at the very least, if you don't design a menu where everything contributes a similar profit margin, then you really need to highlight – once you find out what your most profitable items are, you need to highlight those on the menu in a variety of ways. I mean, I've seen restaurants box things in. Or highlight them a different color than the rest of the menu or put stars next to them with a little icon that says these are the most popular items of the house. Whatever you do, you know, you need to call attention to your most profitable items to plant a seed in your customer's mind because those are the things that hopefully aren't, aren't just the most profitable, but you also want them to be the most popular. And that's because they're either prepared a certain way. They're absolutely delicious. You can't get them anywhere else. Whatever it is. And then the second way is to train your staff to suggest those every table, every time. Yeah, these are the most popular and give choices and benefits. Another system that's really important You know, I call it the order taker mentality. Nine times out of ten, I eat out in a restaurant. doesn't matter, across the country. It could be Toledo, Ohio, a real food city like New Orleans or San Francisco. Nine times out of ten, I still get an order taker. They got the pad in their hand, and it's like ready to order, and they take the order, deliver the food, and bring the check. And to me, that is such an ordinary experience. And these people aren't trained to make suggestions and to take suggestions to the next level. It's like you give two choices of your favorite and you bring them to life. And I can prove in my system you can literally double your odds of making the sale simply by giving two choices. So all of these things call attention to your most profitable item, and it's a way to make more money in your restaurant. If you don't, go back to the drawing board and redesign your menu for maximum profit. But at the very least, you got to cost out every single item by category and know what it contributes to your bottom line for profit, and then focus on the higher profit items. And if you've got a real dog that's taking away sales from your higher profit items, you got to get rid of it or raise the price. You know, those are the two things you can do. Yeah,
0: yeah um, absolutely, absolutely right. And uh, I, I come back to order taker. That's that phrase, order taker. And it absolutely—you're right. Nine out of ten times, it's you the, had one last night. And, yeah, up, I
1: mean that C player must have been an order taker. Oh, order-taker. oh, he,
0: he was barely—he was barely an order taker. It was we had to we had right. to you know I almost had to write it on the pad form. So, yeah. uh, I mean, and I, I'm exaggerating, but only slightly. So, but yeah, so nine times out of 10, it's or taker mentality, which means there's just tons of money sitting on the table. People come in and yeah, some people have a budget mentality and they come in a restaurant, but they've really come for the experience. They're willing to be upsold. They're willing to get another beer, another wine, a dessert for the kids. Um, one extra thing, an appetizer. So they're there, and they've they're, they come to your restaurant. They're sitting there, they're waltzing their pants, and so um, that you've got, you got to break through that mentality. And I know you could, you, I mean, geez, I know you could, you could riff on on how to improve the check averages for for, for about a couple of hours on us. But we've hit we've hit on some of those tips and and so forth. Yeah, and, totally. and I know your your tools and, and your stuff get into that. But something that is, is the other is a backside of product mix and and so forth is in menu design and so forth is is the waste aspect and, and you know and and so you, mm-hmm. you've got a kitchen you got right. ideas and you got a whole bunch of stuff that's sitting in the kitchen and some something gets stolen or wasted or or you know you talked about your garlic knots where you use the waste as another product that is a big profit drain uh, of, of things just disappearing um, from 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 your restaurant and losing money so how do you Talk about systematizing the waste
1: aspect for for operators. Well, the most basic system is cross-utilization, and that's something that I learned right from the get-go when I started my first place. And I knew that I wasn't going to bring in a specialty item into my restaurant unless I could sell it five different ways. Because, one, I, I can't stand waste of any kind. I don't like to waste food You know, the the restaurant industry, there is a tremendous amount of waste out there. So I wanted to minimize my impact, but also minimize my costs from waste stuff and spoilage and all those things. So cross-utilization, make sure, and here's an example. It's like I had a wood-fired brick oven pizza place to start. So every single pizza topping also went on just about every single pasta dish I sold, and a lot of those toppings also went into my salad. So I could sell things 10 different ways, and that's how you're constantly moving your inventory and you've got very little waste and spoilage. The cash cow idea I told you about earlier, you know, we we turned the garlic nut uh, dough into these garlic knots. I had a bread pudding that was super popular because, you know, your bread after a while, your bread only has a certain amount of shelf life, and if you can no longer give it or sell it to your customers, You know, before it actually goes bad, if you know you're not going to move it, turn it into bread pudding. It's a super popular dessert and it's just, you know, pure profit on a plate. I mean, you got to do these things. There are byproducts to your prepping activities in your restaurant that can be turned into new menu items, specials, cash cows. We even turn the garlic knots into a dessert. So we literally bake. the the pizza doughs, and we sprinkled them with cinnamon and sugar instead of garlic and olive oil, and we baked them in the brick oven and turned it into a dessert. And those became hugely popular. So, you know, these are just some of the ideas to minimize waste, spoilage, and, and, you know, make more money. Uh, you're playing chess
0: out there, Roger. You're playing chess, man. Hey, um, speaking of, of – of, there's one idea. I, I, I want to – I can't I can't let this idea go, and I, I want to wrap up, but this one I, I just yeah. had flashed into my head that you do, and you actually you, – you almost hinted at it earlier, but this one is awesome, and restaurants can, can definitely use this one, your treasure chest. Tell me about it. Yeah,
1: the treasure chest. Holy moly. Okay, so that's a huge idea. So know that if you own a restaurant or run a restaurant – You've got lots of different suppliers out there that you purchase from. You've got food service suppliers. You've got beverage distributors. You've got liquor suppliers. Now, all of these companies are big, big, big operations, and they run promotions of their own, and they're always trying to build business with their customers. And I found out that they've got warehouses full of these promotional items, and some of it gets used, and a lot of it – for whatever reason, doesn't ever get distributed. And I've taken tours of these places, and that's where I got the idea. I'm like, hey, what are you doing with that stuff? They're like, oh, you know, just kind of sitting around. I'm like, hey, you know, we could really use this in a promotion. So I asked every one of my suppliers to donate items of value that they no longer had any use for, and we built this war chest of prizes that we used for our customers and our staff. Everything from golf clubs, skis, stereos, you know iPads um we had lots of wearables like hoodies and t-shirts and and really nice down jackets it's like we just collected all this amazing stuff that was really valuable that cost me nothing i learned a long time ago jim you don't ask you don't get but if you get think of what you're going to get out of that and all you know the worst that's going to happen is they say no i can't give you that but i got tons of stuff So we had a recognition and rewards program I called Difference Dollars that was huge. But whenever I wandered, and I was on the on the floor a lot, and I recognized my staff, you know, turning on my customers, giving them great experiences. I recognized my kitchen staff, you know, jumping in. You know, maybe they were cross-trained. Somebody called in sick, and now the grill cook is working sauté, whatever it was. I got a dish guy that's like, you know, the dishes are piled up to the ceiling, but he's got a great attitude, and he's cranking through it. You know, I would come up and recognize and thank them for the contribution that they were making to the restaurant, tell them how much I appreciated them. And then I said, Hey, why don't we take a walk down to the closet? And they're like, Oh, what's, if it was a new employee, they're like, What's the closet? Right. So I'd open this closet and they'd keep all that stuff in there. And I'm like, You know, this is what the closet is. I really appreciate what you did. Why don't you go take something that looked interesting to you or something you'd like to have? And it's my, it's our gift to you. And they, they'd look at me like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? And they'd walk in there and You know, maybe it was a set of skis or maybe it was an iPad or maybe it was a really cool jacket or whatever the heck it was. And if that didn't make a huge impression to build the customer experience because that built longevity with the staff, that reduced turnover, that built the A-team, and it was just one of the recognition and rewards programs we had. And that's powerful stuff. So, yeah, the treasure chest, anybody can get this simply by asking their suppliers, hey, what do you got kicking around that you'd like to get rid of, got value that I can award? Um, We also used it as prizes. I mentioned the affinity cards that we had for our mug club, and every time somebody swiped and they won a prize, we had some big ticket prizes that we used for that, and then we had a photo contest where our mug club members would literally, um, you know, they would buy our merchandise, logo merchandise, and take an interesting photo somewhere in the world, and we would have a photo contest at the end of the season for the coolest photos, and some of those prizes were prizes that cost me nothing that, again, built the brand. So look at the power behind that idea alone. Thanks for bringing that up, Jim.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I I'm I'm glad we I'm glad we remember to do that one cuz it's really really cool and I'm just I'm just thinking and I'm hoping that folks that if you if you if you're taking the time to listen to this you're you're really serious about this stuff and it matters and you could have jotted down oh gosh, I would hope 20, 30, 40 or 50 ideas that we just talked about. And of course, it really I mean, we scratched the the surface on a number of these topics. You can you can go deeper and, and you do that. You get deeper with your restaurant op- uh, your your restaurant operator clients in your in your restaurant rockstars academy. Uh, and that's something that I recommend for my, my, my members, my readers to join if they're looking to take where they are now, which is you're, hopefully you're doing well, but you want to do more. You want to get up a couple levels. You want to notch it up. You want to ramp it up, and you take some of these ideas that, that Rogers built for you. So, how have you seen
1: the Academy help folks? Yeah, I mean, the Academy is a super powerful turnkey tool that takes all these ideas. And brings them to life for a restaurant or a manager so that it is easy to execute and implement. I take you through all the details of all these ideas, on not only the cost controls, the marketing, the hooks, the brand building, the staff training. I mean, it is a virtual, comprehensive training system. And it's literally helping my restaurant clients, customers um, take their restaurants to the next level. It's a real game changer. And the value added, and most importantly, it's the ROI. I mean, I've been in this business 22 years. And you know, and I may be biased, but I don't know of any other product or service out there that delivers the ROI if these ideas are executed. You know, so it's a turnkey thing, it's a plug and play. You you go through the course at your leisure. You can you can pick the topics that you want to focus in on now. There's no particular order you need to go through, although I recommend you get into the service and staff training right away and the cost control thing right away to minimize any any losses or just increase your profits immediately, but then immediately dive into all these internal marketing ideas. But yeah, I mean, they're just taking things to the next level. There's so many operators out there that just need to take a step back to get a fresh perspective on their business. Put some of these ideas in place. Train your staff to notice, to see what the guest sees. Train your staff to deliver amazing guest experiences. It's a system. And let me tell you, if you don't have systems in your restaurant, you know, things aren't looking good. And think of what the potential is of your business and how much more fun you're going to have if you've got systems in place. And then you can be like I was. You can be a customer in your restaurant, not a worker in your restaurant, but be a customer with a big picture. And you're sitting there watching your customers smile and your staff shine. And there was nothing more satisfying than being in that position in my restaurant. And that's an exit strategy, game, We all know how that turned out. Yeah, no,
0: I know, man, and and it's one of those things. I think I think what I love most about it is, so you, I mean, you've run through all the stuff you can get there, and if if if, if someone's thinking about it and and you want to do that, and, but but sometimes people are a little bit nervous, either to try something different or whatever. But you take away that risk, man. And you say, listen, just get in there, dig it in. If it doesn't work for you, it's it's just 100 percent money back. I mean, how how do, how do folks you know start digging in? How do they think about that? I
1: mean, you're you're really working with no risk. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm so passionate about this business and I'm I'm pretty sure it came through in our in our call today, but it's like I like working personally with restaurants and I like talking to them on a daily basis. So they can email me at my personal email if they've got a question for me. There's two ways to get in touch with me. You can go directly to my homepage on my website which is restaurantrockstars.com and I've got a voice recorder function where you can ask me a recorded message and I'll play a, an answer back. You can either do that or send me a personal email. That's R-O-G-E-R at com. Ask me questions about your specific situation and I can, you know, help you decide if this product is right for you. But it is a system. It is turnkey. It is completely guaranteed, you know, 100% money back guaranteed. If it doesn't work for you, which I find very hard to believe it wouldn't, but, you know, if if it's not what you expect, then there's no questions asked, but I guarantee you this is going to work in your business. And, you know, look at all the ideas we threw out today that we just scratched the surface on, Jamie. You dig into this academy thing, and it's just loaded with so much more content than what we talked about today.
0: Yeah, Roger, it was awesome. I mean, I, I wasn't sure where we were going to go, where we got into, but we covered a lot, and, and it was
1: great, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. You know, one, one message that I want to leave, um, your audience, um, you've got a system. If you can walk away from your business for a week, a month, or a year, and your restaurant is just as successful or more so when you come back, you know, that, that is when you've got a system in place. The academy certainly helps you do that. All these ideas we talked about today are, are steps you can take and action immediately to um, change your restaurant and transform it and, you know, really move it ahead. So yeah, let me leave you with that. Work on your business now so you decide how you work in it later or if you work in it at all. That's an exit strategy.
0: Absolutely. Love it, brother. So thank you so much for listening. folks. This has been Jamie Oichel from runningrestaurants.com along with Roger Bodwin from Restaurant Rockstars. Thanks for listening and all the best for your restaurant business.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Jamie. Nice to talk to you. See you again.